So what's your podcast about? Superheroes. It's a little geeky, but I think you guys are going to like it. Try not to be too geeky. No, I can't promise that. Should we begin? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's the Geek and You Shall Find podcast. And now, your hosts, Kelsey Dickerson, Brad Fay, Kate Fay, and Noah Berlin. Listen to me now. All right. Welcome to Geek and You Shall Find, the podcast. I'm Kelsey Dickerson. We're joined by Brad Fay, the director and co-founder of Superhero Faces, which, by the way, this is episode five of Geek and You Shall Find, powered by Superhero Faces. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, we also have Noah Berlin, a.k.a. the Game Master, and Kate Faye, the goddess of all the old and new Valeria, Westeros, uh, you know, every single kingdom that you can think of. Thank wow. you guys so much for joining. Yeah, see, you even got the Iron Throne behind you, so I think it's very fitting. Uh, you guys, we usually talk about, we've been exploring Marvel movies, specifically the worst of the Marvel movies, according to Rotten Tomatoes. But this week, of course, we had to take a little bit of a break because as huge Game of Thrones fans, every one of us is wearing a Game of Thrones type shirt, except for uh, the Game Master. So unfortunately, he, uh, in a fit of rage, burned all of his all of his Game of Thrones shirts after season seven and eight last year. He dracars them. But we are taking a little bit of a break because it is time for House of the Dragon. It just aired. We all just watched it. Um, we're going to get right on into that. Uh, episode one, uh, The Heir of the Dragon. But before we get into that, Noah, I think we got some nerdy news surrounded with everything that's happening uh, in Westeros right now. Yeah, so normally we would do nerdy news of the week with just all the things from the MCU, the DCEU, video games, whatever it might be. But this time I focused it all on Game of Thrones related topics. So first off, uh, the showrunners of uh, of the House of the Dragon. So you might remember the name Miguel Sapochnik uh, if you were a big fan of the original Game of Thrones. He is the showrunner <laughs> along with the series co-creator Ryan Condal. Uh, Spodrick was also the director of some of the fan fan, uh, fan favorite episodes and the visually incredible episodes in Game of Thrones history, like Hard Home, Battle of the Bastards, The Winds of Winter. So on top of being the, the co-showrunner for this series, he's also directing three more episodes in season one, including the episode we just watched, uh, which was the pilot episode called, what was it, Kelsey? The Heirs of the Dragon, which by the way, obviously it kind of goes without saying, before we get into nerdy news, that's not going to be quite the spoiler. But once we get into our dissection of the first episode of House of the Dragon, that'll definitely be a big spoiler alert, as I think you should know that if you're watching this <laughs> uh, slash listening to this. Uh, but sorry, did not mean to interrupt because, of course, everyone knows Miguel, Noah, of course. Why would Everybody we? knows. A familiar <laughs> face. Miguel's a potchnik, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, as you said, spoiler alerts for basically everything we're going to be talking about on this episode today. Um, if you haven't watched the episode of House of the Dragon yet, pause this or actually just play it with no sound. Make sure to like it, subscribe, all that <laughs> stuff, and come back and rewatch it again afterwards. So there you go. Um, our next bit of nerdy news. Um, so according to Parrot Analytics, the audience demand for this show, The House of the Dragon, is 20 times higher than the audience demand for The Rings of Power. So I found that really interesting. And, and we're all nerds here. I'm very excited for the Rings of Power too. But 20 times higher, that sounds a little, that seems yeah. a little crazy for me. Uh, and, and especially because the budgets of these two shows are so vastly different. I mean, there's dragons and all the stuff that you can see, all this crazy CGI in uh, House of the Dragon. But the budget came through in House of the Dragon for 200 million compared to 475 million for the Rings of Power. So more than double the budget for that one. So uh, hopefully it'll look amazing. Hopefully that show is great too, but I was surprised to hear that. And last bit of nerdy news for the week, Duolingo. So in a combined effort between the lang language learning app Duolingo and HBO, the developers created an interactive promotion for House of the Dragon where, they, where the service now offers its users free lessons in High Valyrian, the language High Valyrian, which is spoken in this episode as well as the, some uh, in the original Game of Thrones. So naturally in these last few days, preparing for this podcast, preparing for the uh, opening episode, I've studied with the owl. I have uh, been very diligent. 
And and I've become fluent in High Valyrian. So I don't know if you knew that about oh. me. I'm now fluent in High Valyrian. So did you actually read Game of Thrones in High Valyrian? Is that what? No, I'm actually going to transcribe the whole oh. thing into High Valyrian. <laughs> so when I get some time, when I get some time. Perfect. There is um, a huge so, uh, market for it. So good luck. No doubt. So we had a fun game last week on our episode. And, and Kate actually came from behind with the bonus answer to win the game. <laughs> So now I thought it'd be fun to do another game since I am now a fluent speaker of High Valyrian. I want to see how well <laughs> you all know High Valyrian as well. All right. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to say, let's see how many I got. I got five phrases. All right. I'm going to say them in High Valyrian. And then you are going to tell me if it is a real High Valyrian phrase or a phrase that I made up. So am I, I going to get five of five and then still lose somehow to Kate who got four of four or five just so I can set I my expectations? Okay. I was a hundred percent last time. So I don't even, I don't Kelsey, you weren't a hundred percent at anything. Last time. So. I was a hundred percent in the game, but not the rest of the podcast. All right. This is, this exists on video. We can go back and show that you obviously were not hundred percent. First of all, Noah, that's in the past. So I don't know why you just It's fine. We're on a new things now. So already y'all get it? Okay. Yeah. How do we know that you are pronouncing it correctly? Oh, that is a great question. <laughs> and the answer is I'm not going to. I am a, a fluent, but more in like reading it than saying it. So I apologize for any other uh, fluent High Valyrians. Maybe you can give me some lessons after this. But I do have a story about that after the game. Okay. I'm excited. <laughs> I have All I right. have a question about the language, actually. I, I just want to know. Like, I'm gonna... No, like genuinely when you say like high valerian did everyone in valeria speak high is there a low valerian like is this like what like do the upper class of valeria have like a different dialect or language or that's, is that, it... is a, that that's really embarrassing that you have to ask that question Brad. It is, all, yeah actually is... I, I, like i get it that that's like it's this old it's the old ton of valeria and stuff but like why do they have to say high valeria every time like is there an alternative Yes, there are other languages that came from the free cities of Asos and uh, Valyria before the doom of Valyria, if we're going to get extra nerdy. But High wow. Valyria was the most common tongue and the, the ancestral tongue, if you will, of House Targaryen. And House Berlin, clearly. Exactly right. So <laughs> as you'll see in a moment. So we're going to start with the first one. And this is an easy one. So you should be able to get this. Viewers, you should play along, should also be able to get this. First one, Valar Morgulis. Is yeah. that real or did I make it up? Should we do we do like this for yeah, Valerian? Do you want us to hold up? Like, what do you want us to do? Like, I'd like you to say something because I'm not looking. <laughs> and and it's a podcast, so <laughs> oh, yeah. probably not helping people if we're giving a thumbs up. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, okay, I will say yes. That is high Valerian. Okay, definitely real. Pretty sure that one's real. Okay, and uh, does anybody know bonus points what that means? It is indeed real. It's like all men will die all men must die yeah good, good job all right so you're winning two to one now we're gonna say that right now okay this one actually is for you kelsey all right hobroti jace hobroti jace is that real or did i make it up god kelsey you're first sounds like a it almost sounds like a like a hoagie sandwich or like a sausage um I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say that's high Valyrian. I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Um, Kate. I think you made it up. Brad. I think it's Dothraki. Mmm. Uh, Kelsey is correct. It is indeed real high Valyrian, and it means for Kelsey, it means fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> that was close to my sausage, I guess. Not really, but oh. now. You know, you can just remember that Hobroti Jace. Okay, so then yeah, because I'm trying to limit my cussing in high English, so we'll just say <laughs> high Valerian. <laughs> All right, next one. Come dovuxis. Come dovuxis. Is that real or did I make it up? That's real. I'm gonna say no. Okay. I'm gonna say you made it up. Okay, I indeed did make it up. And what it means though, yeah. it means something. So I need you to know this. Uh, come dovuxis, it means I miss hot pie. Uh, <laughs> I miss in hot pie. In, in, in Spanish? Language? Portuguese? No, well, that's like my um, 
bastardization, if you will, of High Valyrian. So that's <laughs> cool. You got the double O's in there. That's what, it was very convincing. I was like, Thank yeah, you. they got a lot of words with like two O's in it and stuff like that. So good job. It took me a long that. time to come up with these fake ones. All right, next one. <laughs> Nerny Oris. Nerny Oris. Is that real? Did I make it up? Nerny Oris. I'm trying to like hear it in like their... No, that sounds way better. <laughs> Nerny Oris. <laughs> oh shit you guys go first I, i'm gonna think about this one. Oh, man oh man i'll say fake okay i'm gonna go real Kels. i'm also i'm also gonna go fake I, i'm i think it's gonna be another language in that realm but not high valyrian okay it is in fact high valyrian so kate gets the point there oh, and it means it means hold the door so uh, for all you ah, out there I just rip the shirt off. Take it off of me. Oh, uh, you will. You don't deserve to wear okay. it. Yeah. Was right. it Nerne? Nerne? Nerne O'Ris. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. All right. Last one. Westrosi Isa Nurj. Westrosi Isa Nurj. Is that real or did I make it up? Uh, just with a, you know, like the, BC guessing of the Scamtron, yeah, right. I'm gonna right. say fake. Cause you gotta have, I think you're gonna- I'm gonna say fake cause earlier you said I spent a lot of time making the ones I did up <laughs> and they've all been real minus one. <laughs> Except uh, for one. I'm Except for one. The game master great. just got played. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> maybe that was a double, maybe he double played. I know, I know I would do that. No, I like definitely do that when I was watching Game of Thrones the first time <laughs> would like say things and I was like, well, now I know this. And then you'd be like, oh, that's why I said it that way. But I'm gonna say fake. And then Kate? Yeah, fake. All right, it is fake. I did make it up. <laughs> but in Lower Valyrian, it means, hey, George R.R. R. Martin, finish the damn books. That's wow, what you were there. Wow. And that is our game. And also, I want you all to know this. On this of all days. On this of all days. He he needs to get off his butt. <laughs> we uh, saw right. George R.R. R. Martin at uh, San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that's true. He was looking sprightly. Um, so before, thank you, Game Master Noah. That was fantastic. Thank you for all the time that you put into there. Uh, I would just like to say that clearly I am a Targaryen in a past life. Wait, um, so who is the winner? Kelsey's the winner. If there was ever any doubts, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, you did good. So before we get into uh, Noah also setting the stage for us to let us know where we're at, uh, what is happening when House of the Dragon is starting, because obviously it is before Game of Thrones, as we all know it. Um, if you've seen the episode, you saw the open, but I'll leave that to Noah to kind of break it down for us. Um, but before that, there was something on Twitter, actually, which was perfect for this. It's, uh, it came from Reddit of a AITA. It's, am I the asshole? And speaking of High Valyrian, someone literally had their wedding in all High Valyrian and was very mad that someone did not want to come because they didn't, one, want to learn it, and two, have to give their speech in High Valyrian, which I do not blame them. Wow. Also, it was a destination wedding. Uh, <laughs> so as nerdy as we all are, I don't think anyone would ever subject anyone. Like literally the whole thing was going to be in High Valyrian and they were expecting all their guests to learn it. So, and, and it was themed. Everyone, you got to feel for this person because not everyone is as learned and learned um, <laughs> as I am. So I, I get it. I get it. Noah, are you getting secretly married and you haven't told us? Is that actually this my year wedding? wedding? My wedding. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually today at brunch. <laughs> no, but also like having a Game of Thrones themed wedding, it just doesn't seem right after the Red Wedding, in my opinion. But I digress. Uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with the start of House of the Dragon, but for anyone who's not familiar, maybe you didn't watch Game of Thrones, maybe it's been a long time, maybe you're not have a high Valyrian uh, extraordinaire, like we are so graced to have the presence of. Uh, Noah, can you please set the stage for us with episode one, Heir of the Dragon? Ooh. Uh, yes, I can. And once again, spoiler warning right here for you. But yeah, at this point, if you're still listening and you haven't watched it, it's on you. Yeah, so House of Dragons is a prequel story. It's set 200 years prior to the events of Game of Thrones, the conflict between the Starks and the Lannisters, the White Walkers breaking through the wall, and the rise and the fall of Daenerys Targaryen. 
So the series is inspired by Fire and Blood, a spinoff of George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire books, which is what the Game of Thrones series was based on. So Fire and Blood is a 70, 700 plus page fictional history of the Targaryen dynasty, beginning with Aegon the Conqueror, who is the first Targaryen to invade Westeros with his dragons, unite the Seven Kingdoms, and forge the Iron Throne. So the show won't cover the entire book. It's just going to focus on the particular era called the Dance of the Dragons, which was actually talked about in the scene from season five of Game of Thrones. So in that scene, Shireen Baratheon is talking to her father, Stannis, about a book she's reading. She's reading a book called The Dance of the Dragons, a true telling by Grand Maester Munken. Sure. Uh, it's about two relatives, she says, who both thought they belonged on the Iron Throne. When people started declaring for one of them or the other, their fight divided the kingdoms in two. Brothers fought brothers, dragons fought dragons. By the time it was over, thousands were dead. And it was a disaster for the Targaryens as well. They never truly recovered. So whereas Game of Thrones, especially early Game of Thrones, was about a civil war between two families, House of the Dragon is about a civil war within a family. And that's all the stuff going into this first episode and uh, kind of previewing the conflict to come. All right, awesome. Thank you. That's a great breakdown. And that's a great throwback to that as well. I totally, I mean, like we all know, I have the brain cells of maybe like a goldfish and I forget stuff very easily. So the fact that you were able to bring that in because um, she was such a learned um, student. And I'm really sad that you did not do an impression of her because you do a great Shireen Baratheon uh, impression. Um, but before, like I mentioned earlier, I want to just get your guys' initial thoughts. So obviously there was a lot of hype. There was huge expectations for House of the Dragon. Game of Thrones is arguably the most popular uh, show in all of pop culture, in all of our history, which might go back to Noah, you talking about it, having a higher um, you know, ranking of, of the audience wanting it more than Lord of the Rings, which is actually neither here nor there for me. I think Lord of the Rings is more niche in my opinion, but I was actually very ple pleasantly surprised. I love the acting. Um, I thought it was a great initial, uh, initial episode to kind of set the scene for where the season is going. Gives you a good idea of the ins and outs of the family. Um, you know, obviously what is the cracks in the foundation of the Targaryens. Um, and as we all know, no empire falls overnight. So just kind of seeing the inklings of that. So I was pleasantly surprised. I loved the beginning of it, even though I was expecting an open, similar to, you know, you see the, oh, the HBO and you just want the da, 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 which we didn't get that on this one, maybe next episode. But um, Kate, since you're sitting on the Iron Throne right now, what were your initial reactions of the first episode? I was so pleasantly surprised like you. Um, I know it's only one episode, but it really exceeded my expectations. Um, I was so, I got actually like really emotional watching it, especially in the beginning. Like mm -hmm. I didn't expect to, I was just kind of like going in with, okay, here's another show. I don't know how it's going to be, whatever. But I got super emotional, like in the beginning. Um, you know, with her flying in on the dragon and everything, and we're seeing um, King's Landing again, I, it just felt so good to be back in the Game of Thrones world after being out of it for so long, um, and kind of having a little bit of a disappointing ending in Game of Thrones. So I am very excited for this whole season of what's to come. I think it's going to be really good. I think the acting is great. The cinematography is great already. And I'm already super interested in the story. Yeah, and we saw so many dragons. Like, obviously, that was a huge thing in the first series of Game of Thrones was they were very few and far between until towards the end. So seeing a lot more dragons and them being so detailed, I think, is absolutely amazing. And seeing Westeros uh, in, in King's Landing in all of its glory. It was like a different color. It was like bright and colorful. Um, Brad, obviously, uh, Kate said, you know, a disappointing ending of seven and eight, which I know you disagree with. Yeah. everyone in the world that has watched Game yeah. of Thrones but what were, what was your initial thoughts on watching this so I was not pleasantly surprised and that is because <laughs> I'm like you haters I expected it to be good so I wasn't surprised at all it was a, a very entertaining it took us back to Westeros I mean to me you'd almost have to go out of your way to make it bad and just kind of like be lazy and I knew they were going to put work into it so I mean just to get more depth about Westeros and the history about Westeros like 
you'd almost have to make it distractingly bad or do things that are bad to to ruin this for me. So I knew I was going to enjoy going in and that's exactly what happened. And Noah, obviously you are from that lineage. You are the High Valyrian Prince. What were your thoughts? Did you like seeing your family on TV or? I mean, I was cautiously optimistic is what I said mm-hmm. to describe my feelings coming into this because obviously like everyone on, in the world other than Brad, um, <laughs> definitely disappointing with how, uh, disappointed with how it ended. Um, and so I was a little worried, right? Because when you love something, uh, for example, right? I, I love the movie, The Matrix. I love the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, right? But then all, as the sequels come out and they're really bad or just not, at the same caliber, right? Now, when I think of the Matrix as a whole or Pirates of the Caribbean as a whole, I don't necessarily have a great impression of it or, or, you know, the thoughts that I have of it. And I don't want that to happen, right? Like, that's why it's a little disappointing what happened at the end there of Game of Thrones because you don't want it to, like, get ranked down. You know, you want it to still have such a high esteem in, in your mind. So I was cautiously optimistic, but I didn't want it to see it go the same way as some of these other ones. But honestly, from that opening scene and hearing the music and seeing King's Landing and like, I mean, I'm, I'm fully in, I'm way in. Um, it's awesome. I can't wait to watch more. Everything about the, the characters, the cinematography, like Kate said, the music, the costumes, it just, it brings you right back into that world. And I was having a lot of nostalgia and watching the episode for the first time. And, um, you know, getting those feels that you had when we used to watch Game of Thrones for the first mm-hmm. time. And we didn't know what was going to happen. And you're just completely wrapped up in it. Uh, it it's, yeah, I, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> We're back, baby. Well, speaking of that, you've, you talked about so many different things that was so great about this episode. Um, and obviously for Game of Thrones fans everywhere, it was a very uh, optimistic way to be able to start it. I think it's going to be a great, it's a great foundation. Um, but that just kind of rolls us into our next one. Who was the MVP for you or what was the MVP, Brad? MVP is George R. R. Martin uh, because without him, we wouldn't have not only this universe to begin with, but just the complexities of they're able to just adapt this like world that took place 200 years before the start of Game of Thrones. And it wasn't like when they came up with this idea, they had to start from scratch because they already had like, a Bible of Westeros to kind of go on and say, okay, we're going to pluck out of this. And, you know, the groundwork is already there. We already have these characters. We know where this is kind of going. So they kind of had a head start on things. So I think that's, you know, a credit to George R. Martin for having not just written the Game of Thrones book and said, that's it, but having provided so much rich detail of what happened before Game of Thrones even took place. No, I saw you shaking your head. I mean, listen, <laughs> all of these things that Brad said is correct. But George R. R. Martin, man, his last, uh, the books, there are seven books in the series, supposedly. Five have been written. The last one was written in 2011. It's been 12 years, right? 11 years? Do I know what year it is now? Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like it's been 50 years. Imagine like, what is this dude doing? Uh, stop doing all of your other bullshit projects. Just stop it. Just stop it. You so just let him live. What was he doing? We, it was COVID and we were stuck. We were quarantined. If you're not going to write when you're quarantined, what are you doing? He, he, like, he'll never be the MVP for me. I'm sorry. So he's your LVP? Is that what we're no, saying? No, I mean, he's not the LVP. He still did it. <laughs> Brad's not wrong, but I can't. Nah, nah, man. All right. Well, were there any? Enjoyed the show today without him having taken the time to flesh out this universe. So, you I know have- what? So many things I want to say about you right now, Brad, but I have been told I cannot express my true opinions on this fascist episode. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, All right. So suffice it to say, Noah and Brad are very differing on their MVPs. Then Noah, did you have another MVP then? Or? Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, so far, Rhaenyra is is the MVP for me. I mean, just her her facial expressions, I just thought were awesome. That actress, I don't even know her actress's name, but she was awesome. Um, she reminds me a lot of Arya, how she just goes off on her little adventure. She's riding the dragon. She's 
you know, the parents are not approved or don't approve the, the mother in the, that first scene when she was laying in the, in the chair, she was talking about how, you know, uh, what we do is we basically get married and give birth. And those are our, are our battlefields. Right. And she's like, no, I'd rather be a soldier. I'd rather, I'd rather go out and, and do things. And they just reminded me a lot of Aria. So obviously I'm, um, you know, I, I'm a fan of her with that. Okay, yeah, I was, I would even say like it almost is reminiscent of not quite very early Daenerys, but once she kind of gets her stride, and you can see that strong uh, bloodline and the women of the Targaryen family. But Kate, who was the MVP? Or did you have an MVP for this episode? Yeah, so Noah took it right out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Princess Rhaenyra, um, just out of one episode, it seems like she is probably one of the most main characters that's going to be mm -hmm. followed throughout the season um and I love her so far like it, the acting is great um it looks like the actress's name is Emma Darcy um so it she was wonderful and I totally was thinking the same thing she gave me such Aria vibes and maybe even a little Daenerys vibes um so I thought she was like a great combo of those two and uh I'm excited to see where it goes now that she has been Spoiler alert, crown the air. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think this is quite a spoiler alert, but I believe Kate and I are on the same page with LVPs. Who was your LVP, Kate? Because your significant other does not agree, I don't think, <laughs> which is surprising to me. I feel like everybody in the world that watched this show has the same LVP, which is Prince Damon, Matt Smith what an asshole <laughs> this guy is a terrible human um and it seems like he's going to be a huge piece of the puzzle as we move forward since he is he feels like he is the rightful heir to the throne mm -hmm. um so there's going to be some conflict there but yeah he was just killing people in the streets and just cutting people's hands off and other appendages and <laughs> I, I was like this is so unnecessary and then of course me and Kelsey both freaked out when he tried to hurt the horse. You can't do that. No. And I will say I did not miss that about Game of Thrones. They have, they do not care about who dies when or what it is. So yeah, I definitely agree. And two for me, I, I guess what is like also a little confusing and crazy is he seemed so sorrowful at the funeral of the, the mother and baby, um, the queen, obviously, that passed away in childbirth purposely um, because of the king, who also is an LVP for me. Um, but like, so he seemed sad, but I don't know if that was a show. Obviously, as Game of Thrones is, there's so many layers to all these characters. So I think we're going to learn more about him because you do see flashes of you know he might be a good guy obviously Rhaenyra loves him so much and she seems to be like you know a good character until she saw some things and heard some things but Noah did you agree with that LVP did you have another LVP yeah so I'll say a few things about uh, Matt Smith and, and Prince Damon I thought that he is a complex character which I liked because I believe that he loves Rhaenyra he gave her that gift. He, they have that relationship where obviously, you know, they speak High Valyrian together. Um, the her kings, uh, her yeah, her king's guard that was with her was like, oh, I gotta, you know, do my job and tell on him because he was sitting on the Iron Throne. And she's like, he's good. He's, you know, we're we're good. They have that kind of relationship. So I like that. I, I found him to be remorseful at the um, at the funeral, like you were saying, and I did think that it was real. So I don't think this guy is a monster. He's not a Ramsey Bolton. He's not a Joffrey. Yeah. And I think to that extent, I really like the character because, you know, there's complexities, but he's cruel for sure. Um, he's ruthless. He's ambitious. Um, but he's also, you know, like I said, he's not a monster. So I think that's a cool thing. However, he still is my LVP because I just hate his face. I just hate <laughs> I, I, I mean, it, he reminds me of Adam Driver in uh, when he's Kylo Ren. Like, I, I just couldn't, when I watched uh, the first, what was it? Um, the Force Awakens, the first time, I'm like, dude, Kylo Ren, please leave that mask on, man. Don't don't take it off, because he just looks so stupid. I hate his face. It's distracting. And really, when he was getting his ass beat by that other guy in the joust, I was like, oh, he's a little freaking puss, too. He's like, he's getting his ass kicked <laughs> just like Kylo Ren. 
So he kind of reminds me of uh, of that. It's the Kylo Ren example with Matt Smith. So he's LGBT <laughs> because of that, but I do think that he's a good character. All right, Brad, I know you're crying on the inside with all of that. I don't get how you can say that the villain you dislike is the LVP because doesn't that mean he's doing his job as the villain? There's a lot of villains that I like. But then they're not really a good villain. You're supposed to dislike the villain. If they were trying to make this guy like, yo, you you should want to run through a brick wall behind him. What a great guy. And you're like, no, I hate him. He sucks. Then he's not doing a good job. But his job is to make you dislike him. It's true. Oh, okay. Also, this is like one episode in. Like we've seen one hour of these characters. So right, but you, if you guys were like, I didn't believe, like, believe his performance. It didn't seem like he was really high valerian to me. Like, okay, those are things that you're saying. It's taking me out of the moment. But you literally <laughs> said he's the LVP, and they named a bunch of things you disliked about <laughs> him. And I'm like, that is yeah. what's making him like a great villain. Is like I agree with you, Brad. Except his beady eyes were very stupid, and they didn't. Like, <laughs> like his stupid eyes. I mean, was I there ever a moment you liked Joffrey? Yeah, jo- Joffrey's funny though, man. Joffrey, right, Joffrey right, right. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you would list off all the things you hated about Joffrey and be like, "Yeah, what a great villain!" Like, I despised him. Like, yeah. so to me, he like really crushed it this first episode. He's a great actor, but yeah, there's just something about him. I was not excited when I saw that he was cast in this part. I just don't know what it is about him. Um, yeah, he doesn't I, even look like a Targaryen to me. Like his wig doesn't look like if it like looks good on him. I don't know. Like his makeup looks weird. Like I just, I, I don't know. So I guess we'll, we'll see how that all comes into. Um, but speaking of, you know, kind of like cringy stuff and like, I didn't think the wigs looked great on everybody in this. Um, but I definitely had a cringe moment and it actually was with him, which I think it's supposed to be more like endearing, but it was creepy to me when he was giving, um, princess Rhaenyra her necklace and I almost thought it was going to go into like a weird romantic incest thing that the Targaryens obviously love to do um that was very cringe for me I did not like that um but Noah let's start with you did you have any cringe moments that just really stood out to you or that you didn't like yes so I liked the character of Otto Hightower a lot he was the hand of the king he seemed very measured and um he kind of was warning rightfully so of the dangers of having Damon uh, as the successor but then he kind of pimps out his daughter like that was a weird thing right like that's what happened I'm not wrong right I have a theory about that though I think like he so to your point I think he was like thinking that the king was not going to name Rhaenyra in any sense or form as the successor to the throne because they were talking about how like you know queen has never been on the iron throne so he was just thinking of any way possible to try and get him a male heir so it not to be Damon. so like trying to get like his daughter uh, in while he's most vulnerable to be like hey like if you need to marry him and give him a son like so we yeah. don't have Damon on the throne like i'm gonna do it and i think so i mean it's kind of like ned stark reminiscent right he would do anything to protect like but like to protect what's best like and like the honor or whatever. I mean, he never... That's a great point. I love that. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that he pimped out his daughter and Ned Stark would not, I mean, have, would not have done that. No, he wouldn't. He would not do that. No, but he would do what he thought what's was bad, needed. Was right. It was yeah. best for the realm. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. That that's was a really good theory, Kels. Yeah. I like that. Well, it's probably very wrong. <laughs> I never guess anything right in Game of Thrones. <laughs> Uh, but Brad, what about you? Would you have any cringy stuff? Would you ever pimp out your daughter for the, uh, the good of the realm? <laughs> for, for the realm, Brad. For the um, realm. Seven kingdoms all together. I think they were trying to make that moment where you put the necklace on cringe. I don't think they were going for it. What a sweet moment. You were supposed to be like, oh, that's right. These people like all fool around with each other. Like, I think that's what they were going for. I don't think they were like, what a magical moment between two people. I like, hey, here's a reminder sometimes these Targaryens hook up. I don't know. I don't know because then like later, you know, he was almost being like a fatherly figure to her at the, at the funeral. And I, I just but think that's what like manipulative people really do. Weird. Like people that are like, you know, like that's what it seems like abusers know how to be like, oh, I'll be right nice right now. And then I'm going to suddenly be a monster. And like to Noah's point, like I think that's the complexities of this character. Like I think there are going to be moments he seems redeemable and then be moments that you're like, oh, that's right. He's horrible, you know? 
But uh, my, yeah. my, if I did have a cringe, I wouldn't say it was cringe because it wasn't super bad, but I wish they wouldn't have like started that opening shot with so much CGI because as you guys know, I don't like CGI and like, especially in Game of Thrones, like unless it's okay, a dragon, dragon, like Game of Thrones. I was going to say if it was a puppet. No, for like settings, like Game of Thrones with the exception and that whole series, I think other than when they were going through like, you know, um, like Valeria, I can't think everything seemed to be like a set. And to have that opening shot be like in an obvious CGI mm-hmm. type thing, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, are they going to like just rely on CGI now and not use all these okay? That's, you know, part of Game of Thrones, like literally put places on the map that people didn't know about because you'd be like, where was that film? That's a real place. I want to look that up. And to me, like, that's what makes Game of Thrones like so grounded is it's like real. It's like the Christopher Nolan of like directors where like everything is gritty and real and not. Eh, we'll just make up a building and put a bunch of people in the stands. Like it's not Star Wars. Yeah, I, I agree. And I noticed that particularly in the jousting scene where yeah. the entire background, which was like the backdrop of the city, like that looked super CGI. But I think that opening scene was supposed to be reminiscent of the vision that Danny had in season one of Game of Thrones. And then it comes to pass later on. And it's her on the, like the, the dragon uh, flying over the city and you see the shadow. I think it was supposed to be like a callback to that. Okay, I didn't think of that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think of that. I would say too, probably just logistics wise, you know how in Game of Thrones, it just cuts so much because there's so many storylines. I have a feeling we're going to be set in Westeros for a majority of, if not all of these seasons. So I can't imagine that they could totally shut down a city for as long as it would take to like do that. Like, you know what I mean? Instead of just like, like just little bits and pieces here and there of filming if that makes sense it would have to be like was it Dubrovnik where they film for Westeros yeah it would have to be they just shut it down for however long so I mean that might just be a logistics thing but yeah I agree I think when you don't need the CGI or why make it so shitty um I don't like that but Kate did you have any other cringe cringy cringe cringe make your spine like- um <laughs> my only other thing was Damon- don't, don't make that noise <laughs> Damon's helmet during the jousting mm-hmm. like I don't know. I thought it looked so lame. And like I liked it. You look like a cool Aquaman villain. No, and it should have been like so cool. Like it right, could have been cool. it's a dragon. Like you could make that such a badass helmet, but they put like the wings on it. I thought it looked so lame. <laughs> and he was so lame for taking that cheap shot, which I don't understand. We were like, isn't that supposed to be so when the jousting? He's clearly about to lose, and then he trips the horse, like, and then everyone's cheering and it's like fine with it. That's got to be cheating, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get why he wasn't immediate. The referee didn't like immediately disqualify no him. If someone's got to come and explain the the intricacies of the rules of jousting, there should have been a flag on that play. I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Which also, like, that made no sense to me that uh, Targaryens would do jousting. That it just seemed kind of lazy. Is like they're like, oh, we don't want to make up a new game that they maybe would have played in these times, so they did jousting, which. I, I don't know. Like, I don't remember any games that they did in Game of Thrones that were. Did you want Quidditch? Something like something creative. And then I just thought that it just lasted way too long, too. I, I don't think it made any sense. It was like a fight scene in John Wick. It's just like, OK, we get it. Okay. You hate on John <laughs> Back to back. <laughs> hey, weeks of hating on John Wick. I don't understand. I uh, love John Wick. <laughs> you're not giving that vibe <laughs> um i mean jousting so what they said is that because really there was no other than the city watch cutting dicks off and 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 <laughs> killing people there was really no action in this and they said that for the first episode they really want the director really wanted to bring in um some game of thrones style action to kind of remind viewers like the world that we're in and kind of what they're doing here um it did go for a long time but i thought the the way that they were cutting in between the fight on the joust yeah. and the labor yeah. that uh, queen emma was having uh i thought that was pretty cool how they how they did that yeah um, which I think we do that in Westeros. What new game are they going to have? That's they joust. How do you know that? How do you know that they joust? In it's Westeros? the Middle Ages. It, yeah, it's not. It's a made-up place. You what want, you them, to, you want them to have a monster truck rally? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it'd be something with dragons. I was or... going to say they could joust on a dragon. But other people can't ride, ride the dragons. Allegedly. I just... I just thought it was really like a Knight's Tale-ish, like where it's just, uh, whatever. It just didn't do anything for me. 
But speaking of that, uh, what also didn't do anything for me was the king. I thought he was a little puss and he didn't do anything that was very king-like until both his wife, well, was basically murdered because he sanctions that, the C-section, and she bleeds out. And then his son dying um, right after that. But he doesn't act like a king until he faces Damon, who clearly is like unstable slash clearly very power hungry, but he has seemed very loyal. He's done everything that his brother has told him throughout. Yeah, maybe he goes about it in his own way and he's very strong handed. Um, Maybe, you know, doesn't think things through or thinks that you have to rule with an iron fist. But I just, he, I just really did not, I don't like his character, but did you guys find anything else that you didn't quite like about this? Or maybe there was anything, some grievances that you had besides, you know, we talked about CGI. I talked about the wigs. Was there anything else? We'll start with you, Miss Miss Caterade. I don't really think I had anything else that I can think of. I mean, for the most part, I thought everything was really well done and I liked it. So I don't have, I don't think I have any other nitpicky dislikes. Noah? Yeah, no, I mean, like Did I said- Did we get I'm, them all out? I mean, you guys covered it, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything. It was, I thought it was really good. Brad? Yeah, I mean, it's it would be like super nitpicking. There was, you know, it was just like little line. Like it seems like Game of Thrones didn't ever have like narrative explanation. They were like, "Yo, if you don't get this, figure it out. Go look it up." Like it seemed yeah. with this, they were kind of babying. Like maybe people like, okay, I didn't get when it was the guy, the hand's son that was like challenging the tournament. No, I wouldn't have made that connection. But it's kind of weird that the the MC of the event is like he challenges so and so, also the son of so and so. I'm like, Are you a hype man? Like there was just like little like feeding things in versus like trusting the audience either figure it out or having it in a clever way. Like everyone just kind of glances to the hand and he's kind of like mad about it, and you're like, okay, that must be someone important to him. Like so, just but again, it's super minor. You know, that's it was super minor yeah. stuff. And that's a really good point though because you're right in the earlier game of thrones they would have just done it and that's something that like on a second rewatch or someone mm-hmm. would explain to you like oh yeah he's getting him back for when he was like talking adam or in the, the prior scene exactly um, but having said that i didn't think about it until you just said that so when i watched it i appreciated knowing who it was because i was like oh that's kind of tight like how he's trying yeah. to yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah it I made the moment it. better but it, yeah it was just things like that where I was like oh it seems like they would have found a different way to like let the audience know that's what was going on yeah the complexities don't seem to be there you know obviously like you guys mentioned in Game of Thrones if you don't know what's going on you don't know and it's because we're in smack dab in the middle of these storylines um which also you brought up a great point that reminded me uh this the whole episode is like the span of 24 hours that all this is happening where you come in, um, you see that the king, it's, well, I guess that's like not 24 hours or whatever, but most of it is where it's like, you know, the king is crowned, um, where it's like between him and his cousin, then the, the wife dies and the heir that he dreamed, dreamt about dies. Then his, the actual, like the, what should be the heir of his brother, he like gets banished away. Like, so what would probably normally happen in the span of like half a season or maybe even a whole season of Game of Thrones. Um, it seems like it just all, just it got right into it really quick for me, which who knows, like I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that's gonna be happening, but it just seemed, it all seemed really quick. In a good but, way or a bad way or just, you I just mean, we'll see. that? I think we'll just see, yeah. It just, it, I just noticed it because you know- I didn't a think lot of that times, until you said it. Yeah, a lot of times with Game of Thrones, it's like this stuff happens over months or years or or whatever it might be. And then you don't see someone, you don't see someone until yeah. <laughs> like season nine and they're rowing their boat and they come to shore. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> At the same time in the, in the pilot episode of Game of Thrones, it starts with John Aaron dying the hand of the king. He gets the raven that John Aaron died. And then the king and all them drive or they ride all the way up the King's Road and they yeah. arrive at Winterfell in that same episode. Yeah. So True, true. You know, they got to move it along, especially to start the series. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but speaking of, uh, obviously, I thought there was a lot of great scenes uh, in this movie. I think the art in this movie, in this episode, I really enjoyed the exchange between the king and, and Damon. That was the best scene for me. I thought it was very passionate and well acted. And I actually liked seeing him act like a king. Um, but did you guys have any, any thoughts on either that scene or a scene that stood out most to you? No, I'll look at you. 
Um, I mean, that was also my favorite scene. Oh, great insight. Thank you. Brad? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I mean, I was obviously a great scene, but I thought the king and his daughter, which I kind of feel like I'm maybe taking Kate's right now, is uh, the king and his daughter in the crypt kind of talking about the illusion, you know, what it takes to kind of lead, you know, what, what it takes to be a good leader, you know, to your point, like you're saying, I don't think he's a good king. And, you know, I think so much of that is like subjective of like, well, what does make a good king? What does make a good queen? And, you know, I think them having that conversation, like that's a scene that could have went on way longer. And I think I would have mm -hmm. still been like engaged with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. That was a great scene um, just because you have the huge looming skull of, was it Valyrian? Yes, yes, I that believe was, that. that was uh, his skull. Um, that was awesome with all the candles in front of it. So just like the setting was great. <clears throat> and then just the fact that he had never wanted to think of his daughter for the heir to the throne. And now all of a sudden, like he's had all of these deaths in his life and all of these life changes. And suddenly for him, he's like, okay, like this can happen. This is who I want. Um, and I just thought their exchange was really nice and intimate. And I also thought it was really cool how he's talking about all this stuff about winter coming eventually. And a Targaryen has to be on the throne for that. And I was like, oh my God, like we know, we know what happens. Like that happens in the future. So that was cool. And then obviously the opening scene was just fantastic for me. I know you have problems with the CGI, but just going back into um king's landing and especially on the back of a dragon just gave me as noah said all the feels so i loved it i think he also had there were some great lines in this too so speaking of the beginning and speaking of being in the crypt uh were there any lines that stood out to you kate yes um one line that kind of gave me chills was when viserys to um to rhaenyra says a dragon saddle is one thing, but the Iron Throne is the most dangerous seat in the realm. I thought Damn. that was a great quote. Dang. All right. I like that. Uh, Noah, did you have any? I think, uh, I think Brooke has something to say about the best lines, too. So let's see if you guys agree. Brooke the yeah. dog, if you guys can hear in the background. I had a couple of them, actually. I think that in the, the, opening, the opening scene, um, which was the kind of flashback, the, the exposition of, of telling the story of the, the great council and all of the different people that have the claims and all that stuff. And the narrator, who is an older version of Rhaenyra, says, quote, the, only, uh, the, the king knew the only thing that could tear down the house of the dragon is itself. And that's just foreshadowing of basically all of the events and all of the conflict within the show. So I thought that was a really good one. And then I had another one when they, uh, the small council was meeting and they were talking about Damon and um, you know being a uh, the successor, and and King Viserys was saying that Damon doesn't have uh, the patience to be king, and he doesn't have have ambitions to be king. And Otto Hightower, the hand of the king, said the gods have yet to make a man who lacks the patience for absolute power. So I thought that was another one because you just know about all the jockeying and the the politics and everyone trying to get power uh, within the series. So I thought that that was a, a good quote as well. I agree. And especially because as we see one, well, as is always referenced in Game of Thrones of the Targaryens going mad um, in just even the fight for the throne itself, obviously power means everything in this world and with great responsibility, great power comes great responsibility. So I absolutely love that too. Um, just kind of move things along here a little bit. We're kind of getting towards the end of our time. We got about 10 more minutes. Um, were there any other overall positives that you guys had of this? Was there anything that surprised you? What were some things that really stood out to you that maybe we haven't talked about yet? Um, I am very pleasantly surprised. I was really, Game of Thrones was so perfectly cast. Even the children were such great actors, which as we all know, my thoughts on children, um, especially children actors, uh, everything was just amazing and I absolutely loved it. So I was actually very presently, pleasantly surprised with everyone that was cast in this. Um, Brad, we've obviously been working on our upcoming Geek and You Shall Find series, docu-series, uh, starting with Game of Thrones and everything that goes into in the history. So you have definitely gone back and rewatched all that. So you are, are in tune with Game of Thrones fandom. What was any, was there anything that particularly stood out to you that we haven't discussed yet? 
I mean, definitely. I mean, the music, keeping with the, you know, the scores of, of I mean, obviously we're going to hear that Targaryen theme a lot, but I kind of like how that's, you know, it makes sense. Like anytime, if you see Luke Skywalker make an appearance in a, in the Mandalorian, it makes sense to have Luke Skywalker's theme play. So I kind of like that they're still able to use that Targaryen theme. Uh, I don't think I could ever get enough of that. Oh, the music is amazing. We actually talked about that before the show. We're like, is the music going to be done by, was it, when the weekend it remains Jawadi? Is that? No, no, uh, yes. Thank you. No, what is wrong with you? Are you okay? Am I not calling on you enough? Do you need more attention? What? <laughs> What's an overall positive for you? Um, yeah, I had a, a lot of them. So I loved the callback to Dracaris which mm. there's that epic scene um, with Danny saying it. And, and this time it was obviously for a much sadder um, reason. But when Rhaenyra had to basically cremate her mother and baby brother uh, with Dragonfire. So, but Dracarys was very cool. We talked about the music. We talked about the costumes. We talked about the cinematography. I thought that the themes in general um, are really interesting to me. This one, which is going to lean heavily on the theme of the role of women in a patriarchy. And um, you see how kind of this decision made by the great council um, back with the previous king went against who should have been the rightful heir uh, just to name a male heir and how that will fit into this coming conflict between Damon Rhaenyra and, and how that works. So the themes are just really interesting to me with that. And then the tone itself, I think that it really was tied in perfectly with the older Game of Thrones, um, with everything we've mentioned so far, but really with the main theme of the initial season's initial episode being that of succession, because that's what the whole thing is about. And I was actually talking to a friend last week, and he was saying he's he's not a Game of Thrones fan. He doesn't, he doesn't like it. He doesn't want to watch this stuff. This is not his thing. He doesn't like dragons, doesn't like knights and all that stuff, right? And he said he likes shows that are like succession. And I said to him before watching this, uh, I said to him that it's funny that the most similar show that I could think of to Succession is Game of Thrones because of all the politics, because of all the the maneuvering and all that stuff. And, and it, there's so many parallels to it. Little did I know that this one is even more so a good example of how much it relates to that show Succession. So I'm going to recommend to him to watch it again. We'll see if he does or not. But yeah, like I said, the tone, the similarities with the original Game of Thrones, the themes, um, I love it all. Uh, that's a great point. Um, I think Game of Thrones really had a great impact on a lot of different storylines and the way that stories are told, um, especially in pop culture and in a, a series setting. So to see, you know, that succession, which is not something that I, I haven't, watch it yet but that's not something that I automatically would put two and two together be like oh like they're very similar in that way so that's like a really great observation okay was there anything else that we didn't touch on that you really love that you want to see more of I mean I think we covered it all I, I want to see more of everything <laughs> I want I wish I could binge the whole season right now because I totally I will yeah. um I hate that we have to wait every Sunday for a new episode <laughs> I, I want it all right now <laughs> I know we did also for anyone that's not familiar we all used to get together every Sunday we even would have a draft of Game of Thrones characters you'd get points for if your character killed like someone else uh it was it was a big thing for us so having this after what a five plus year hiatus it's been longer than that I think um of having some Game of Thrones is good to to have in our lives um but we already referenced some of these uh, while talking before, but there were some things that that were sort of callbacks for Game of Thrones. Obviously, we talked about, you know, the winter is coming aspect of, you know, talking about that Targaryen needs to be on the, on the throne in order for man to continue as a species. But I think, Noah, you might have had a few other ones that we haven't called back to, or if you wanted to expand on that one. Yeah, I mean... There's just like there's gonna be a lot of these things, right? That that tie into Game of Thrones. I mean, I think that it was cool to see the creation of the gold cloaks, who are the city guard um that exist, and they're all kind of just uh, you know, no one really takes them that seriously in, in the events of Game of Thrones, but seeing that Damon is the one that created them and just how brutal they were, I think that was pretty cool. Um, the the dagger, the Valyrian steel dagger that King Viserys had on his belt, that is the dagger that 
Um, apparently Tyrion owned at one point and it was used to attempt to kill Bran and it was the dagger that was ultimately used by Arya to kill the Night King. Wow. So it's interesting to see. What? I didn't that. know that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool to see, um, you know, such a, a little weapon like that, a little dagger that plays a big role in, you know, hundreds of years later, just being worn on his belt, you know. Uh, which is pretty cool. And actually, it was nice how you mentioned the, the scene when they were in the crypt with the skull of Valerion, and, and he was talking to Rhaenyra about the looming threat of um, Aegon the Conqueror's dream, which was a song of ice and fire, of how in the future the cold is going to come and it's going to be the end of humans. And as he's saying this, they keep showing him touching that dagger, which was just an interesting kind of tie-in too, which is ultimately the end of, of winter, right? So Maybe. pretty cool. Oh, I love that. That's absolutely amazing. I, Kay, I'm in your same boat. I had no idea. Brad, was there any Easter or not Easter eggs? Was there any, any callbacks that you saw? Any predictions that are going to come? You know, they talk about Princess Nymeria. So I don't remember if that's exactly what part of the story you had. So it seems like they gave a little bit more background for her, who Arya obviously was also an admirer of and named her Direwolf after. So it's kind of cool that scene where they're talking a little bit more about Nymeria and you're you're just remembering like how long, you know, this history of Westeros is that like, we're 200 years before, but they're still talking about things that took place even before then that are still being talked about in the future. And I just think that makes you feel so much more like you're being dropped off into a real world with real history and complexities. And so it was a nice reminder of that. Yeah, actually, that's a great point because there, I mean, how many seasons is it? Everyone talks about dragons never existed. They're just a myth. And you're seeing this world where it's, a part of everyday life. It's a huge reason why the Targaryens have so much power and why they're where they're at, um, which also is, in as referenced, it's also part of their downfall. Um, so it is actually really interesting to be able to see that. Kate, was there were there any things that you saw that maybe reminded you of Game of Thrones? Maybe you're like, I didn't catch anything else. I'm not good at catching Easter eggs <laughs> and references, but that's why I have Noah to point them all out. <laughs> I know, Noah, you explained that scene so much better than I did that you were like, yeah, Kimia, and I'm on. I was like, oh, yeah, touching the dagger. So clearly you're coming for me, and that's fine. <laughs> no, but where do we go from here, you guys? Obviously, first first episode I think there's going to be three or four seasons of House of the Dragon personally I think that Damon is going to come back but we're going to see some callbacks because he leaves before Rhaenyra Princess Rhaenyra is named the successor um so he storms off with his not lady wife <laughs> I don't want to call her what I called her uh, his lady of the night I guess um storms off flies off before he sees that Princess Rhaenyra is crowned as the successor. Um, so do we have any predictions on what's gonna happen? Anything that you hope to see? Brad, let's start with you. Yeah, I think, you know, what I hope to see is just more of that, you know, obviously Westeros has its own history, like I mentioned, but it also just directly ties to the history of our own world. And, you know, having watched the original series and read, you know, the parts of the book that, relate talk talk about the past history and you kind of get this impression like the dragons being a metaphor or symbol for like nuclear weapons and what you can do when you can when you have that advantage over your opponents of being able to drop bombs from above and you know so i think that's a big thing with you know king's landing burning down and you know i, I kind of like that in this one they kind of reference that anyone can really use these we just have to create the illusion that we're the only ones that have them and you, the united states was the first and only country still at his day to have used a nuclear weapon that's kind of you know a lot of people theorize that's why the u.s dropped the nuclear weapon is just to show the world like look what we can do and it makes you look like the most powerful all of a sudden and so i i, I could see them playing into that a lot like moving forward in the series and that leading to their downfall maybe is that yeah. arrogance and that ties into the quote where it says you know obviously we don't everyone thinks that we control them, but really, you know, they control us in, in a way. So obviously with violence and, and things like that, like weapons and mass destruction, that's a good point. Um, Kate, Noah, is there anything that you guys want to see? Is, is Noah, you obviously clearly you're high Valyrian uh, self. Is there anything that you want to see more of? Is there anywhere that you think that we're going to go in, in the season? I mean I'm nervous for Rhaenyra, I'll tell you that, because mm -hmm. you think the way this show works is they 
they do a good job of lulling you into a sense of confidence and security where you, you think you know where this is going and you think you see, okay, here's the clear cut villain and then you have the hero and eventually they're going to clash. And it just, <laughs> but that's not how this show works. And so I just really, I'm nervous for, for my girl Rhaenyra. Uh, and going back before, um, I guess there's going to be two Rhaenyras and the one that we saw in this episode, the actress named Millie Alcock. So um, that's her in this one. And then the more There's adult, a grown up one. Yeah, the grown up one who is the narrator in the very beginning. That's Emma. Uh, so, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so she at least lives another 10 years. Sure. Five. She that's more well, grown up than she is now. Yeah. Well, she well, she talked, she said in Europe, because now again, that's what makes the show great is I want to go back and rewatch it. I'm trying to remember what she, I remember saying like that was my grandfather. And I'm trying to remember if she says anything else that gives a hint of like, okay, she lives to adulthood. But I don't know. I can't remember like what she said, but that might be a good way to go back and watch it and be like, oh, okay. So we know she's gonna be okay for a little bit. Well, I mean, I think that this whole series is building up to the Dance of the Dragons, right? Which is this huge civil war. And I don't think that that's all going to happen this season. So um, yeah, so I, I imagine she's probably safe for this season, but who knows in general with her. But I mean, we really, there's been dragons in Game of Thrones before. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more in this season, but I want to see some dragon versus dragon. And we only really see that one time ever in regular Game of Thrones when uh, the one dragon was was possessed by the Night King and you have the ice dragon against the fire dragon and, and you, they're fighting um, towards the end. But that's the only time we really see that. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see dragon versus dragons in the air shooting fire at each other and stuff like that. That should be uh, pretty cool. Noah, the, I literally cried on the way into work, I remember this, like it was, I'm driving on the 10 into work. It was the day after the dragon dies and, <laughs> and falls into the lake and I'm crying in on the way to work, like thinking about him dying. So if I see dragons die, I will, I will not be okay. Um, but King, King turns into a freaking Olympic, freaking pole. <laughs> 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 like oh shit <laughs> yeah yeah yes um no but i i also that reminds me too of their conversation in the crypt where he's saying you know i've ignored you basically and like not ever thought of you as an heir to the throne and so i think rhaenyra um is going to be very naive especially when it comes probably to her uncle or like familial ties um, and just the way that you need to be with the throne because she just hasn't really been taught. Obviously, she has been wanting to do this. She's wanted to be a warrior, but it doesn't seem like she's had any of that mentorship um, or even, you know, been in, like she's been, speaking of like, you know, kind of going the Arya route, she's in there pouring the wine and, and listening to their conversations, but is that enough? So I guess we'll only time will tell. Yeah. And, and you made a good point. Actually, I didn't even, I didn't even connect the fact that she was the cup bearer too, just like Arya was with Tywin and kind of you learn from just kind of being there too. I'd never really thought about that. Um, but it was interesting because at the funeral, she's talking to Damon and he's like, yeah, your dad will need you more now than ever. And she's like, I'll never be a man. And then you just see how she she's accepted the fact that she, she will never be what she wants to be. And then how that changes in the crypt when he, when he tells her that she's going to be the heir. And you could just see that she, for the first time in her entire life, feels valued. And I think that was pretty cool to see that transition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember. So the queen that was to be, is that her like second aunt or like, what is the tie to that? Because I couldn't her, tell. I was. Yeah, that's her aunt. Aunt. Okay. So it's, so it is. Okay, so it is the brother of the. Well, I guess she's I mean, the, the sister, sister of the king and Damon. Sister of the king. It's no, it's not a sister. It's they like the the queen that never was and King Viserys are cousins. Cousins. Okay, okay so like okay. the second aunt or like yeah, second yeah. cousin. She's, type old, she's older than him. Okay. So when the king, the previous king, uh, Jaehaerys, when Jaehaerys was deciding his successor because he had no male heirs, it was between the queen that never was, who was Rhaenys, and she was the oldest one. So real you know that the, was the oldest ascendant she would have gotten it but because of the patriarchy the younger one who was Sarah's ended up being voted yeah I was really trying to pay attention to her face while everyone was you know uh pledging their their loyalty to to Princess Rhaenyra um 
I couldn't get a read on her. So I don't know if she's going to be a problem too. We're, we're going to have to see with that. Yeah. That's a, that's like a storyline. I'm really interested in it. Is she going to be like, you know what? It's, it's a step in the right direct, direction for women's rights. So I'm going to support her. Or is she going to be like, man, I got passed <laughs> up and my, so. you know, it should still be me. And so they could go one or two ways, which again is like really cool. There's a lot of characters in this first episode. You could already be like, I don't oh. know. I could see them going either direction. When yeah, we haven't especially... talked about the um, the triarchy, which is the alliance of yeah. the three free cities, who they're like, you know, they're going to come in and be a problem. And mm-hmm. right now they're like, oh, it sounds like this is good. They're getting rid of pirates. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure to say like that, right? So you know they're, they're like, um, um, but I'm I'm really interested in seeing. Um, I mean, the one guy who was on the small council, um, he had the the dreads. Uh, and he's he's married to Rhaenyra, or excuse me, Rhaenys. Yeah. We say Carlo, uh, Lord Corlys Valerian. Valerian. Yeah, I'm excited the to see the Valerian, uh, the Valerian uh, family. I'm excited to see them. Do you guys think we will get elephants to make up for all the fans that whined and complained at nausea about there not being enough elephants from the Golden? What was it called that when they came oh, the Golden oh. Bank? Yeah, the Golden Company not having enough elephants. I could see this show just doing an all-out elephant scene just to be like, look, we got your elephants in. Knock I it think, off. I think if we're going to see elephants, they're going to be dragon food or something. I don't think they're oh. going to be that much of a... The elephants being a lot of the rings. Oh, yeah, true. All right, you guys, any last thoughts before we give a little insight into what we're going to be talking about next week? Yeah, I have a hot take, actually. Ooh! Yeah. So... You know how, um, as another timely show, Better Call Saul just ended, right? And a lot of people, surprisingly, a lot of people say that Better Call Saul is even as good or even better than Breaking Bad, which is kind of kind of crazy to think about. It's a really good show. I think that when we get all of this backstory of House Targaryen, I think because of what will be success that this show will have and how good it will be, I feel that way after watching one episode, I think people will look back a lot more fondly on the ending of regular Game of Thrones and seeing, you know, the craziness of the Targaryen family and kind of maybe understand a little bit more of the motivations of what Danny did based mm-hmm. on what her family has done in the past. So I think that it will ultimately improve the collective thoughts on the ending of Game of Thrones. That's well, and who knows? Yeah, you were talking shit earlier about like, you know, George R. R. Martin not finishing the books and like, yeah. you know, obviously it having I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, obviously it having a an ill effect on season seven and eight and and most people's opinion, not everybody. Obviously, there are some highlights to it as well. But maybe that's why he's doing it to try to help be like, hey, look, like obviously it was very compact in season eight. It was very like fast. Um, it wasn't built out in in the way that I think it should have been. Um, but yeah, maybe to show like truly they come from a lineage of like, they want all the power. They think they're destined for it and they don't believe anyone else because of all these dreams and all of these, um, all of these, these things that come to them and that it can only be them that are the protectors of the realm and that they deserve the iron throne. So that could very well be a part of, I mean, George R. R. Martin clearly is a master at coming up with all these different storylines and be able to help guide people's thoughts in one direction or another. So maybe that's why he's doing it. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we were all very happy with the first uh, first episode. I'm excited. Who knows? Maybe it'll go longer than than three or four seasons, but I can't wait to watch. Um, obviously, next week we're going to try. We don't want to promise, but we're going to try unless we hear differently from all of you out there um, saying that you want more Game of Thrones. Uh, let us know in the comments. Make sure to like and share. But next week we will be going back to the 10 worst MCU movies according to Rotten Tomatoes back with Thor Dark World uh we just talked about Thor a couple weeks ago uh Love and Thunder and we all loved it um we all thundered it I'm going to recycle that joke um but we so appreciate all of you guys tuning in sharing liking please make sure to subscribe make sure to follow us at Superhero Faces on on twitter and facebook as well as superhero underscore faces on instagram once we get to 500 followers we will have a giveaway so help us get there thank you guys so much we'll see you next week Bye.